Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife, conversations with artists and activists about death and life. My name is Dave Marr. I'm a comedian based in Chicago. And in 2014, I was in a coma. And now it's 2023 and I'm not in a coma, but I still got questions that were not answered from being in that coma. Hence this show and my guest this week. First guest of the year is Patrick Kotner. You may know Patrick as a the producer on the George Lucas talk show. He produced on the Chris Gethard show. He talks about that in this episode. And this episode really is a very different experience if you listen on the Patreon. There are clips I was not able to include, but I would love for you to hear. So go to the Patreon, be an afterhead. Support the show, patreon.com slash Dave Marr. Join the Afterheads at $5 or the Pigeon Level patrons at $15, who include Fred Fidawa, Susie Carroll, Kurt Chang, Katie Llewellyn, Debo, Shuba Singh, and John Lee. Join them and spread the word. I am an independent artist. Word of mouth is the best way for the people who this show is for to hear it because it's really for some people. And it's definitely not for everyone. So you get the you know the feeling of exclusivity. You get to be part of a part of a little club. So get get other people in the club. You know what I'm saying? So Patrick has a new show called the Untitled Improv Project at Dynasty Typewriter in L.A. The tickets to that are in the show notes. All the ways you can follow him the George Lucas Talk Show YouTube. Thanks to associate producer Sam Wellbell for getting Patrick on the show. This also makes the second, if you don't count the New Year's special, the second in a row type 1 diabetic on the show. Speaking of which, we raised $20 total for Zoe Witt. I would have hoped for more, but I said I would report. I didn't. We raised $20 for Zoe, who's been suffering from Bell's palsy and needs help. So that's it. Rate the show, review it, subscribe, and listen to this this episode with Patrick Kotner. I grab your whip and take it back to Shatown. When I'm in Shatown, I say something small about your. Hello, hello, testing, testing, one, two, three. Great. Is it good? Um, is your yeah, yeah mic good, is good on my end? Okay, dude. So stop fucking uh, procrastinating here. Uh-huh. Patrick Kotner, paint your hell. A custom yeah, design for you. I mean, this this is interesting. My, I feel like my hell would be just stuck. Now, I should I should preface this by saying I have COVID right now, so sure. I've been stuck in my apartment for a week. But as you can see, the listener can't see. I have a lot of stuff in my apartment. I have a lot of books. Right. I have a lot of movies. I have a lot. I have video games. I have I have stuff to do. And I feel yeah. like my hell would be stuck in a room with nothing to do. Like, I don't have anything to read. I don't have anything to, like, occupy my brain. Uh, otherwise, I would go crazy. And I think that is, like, the ultimate uh, the ultimate scary thing for me is, like, just not being able to keep my brain moving and active. And I I moved into this apartment, like, a month ago. And I moved with a pod, a moving pod. Where you like pack okay. all of your stuff up into like a box and then they ship it across the country and then gotcha. you unpack it all. And it got here like two weeks after I moved here. So I just mm. had nothing for two weeks. And it was so uh, frustrating and like I just needed to go out and do stuff in the world because I had nothing to do in my own apartment. And the apartment like didn't feel like my own thing until that stuff yeah. got here. So I feel like my hell would be just like, a wall, uh, you know, four walls and a couch, and that's it. And it's like, well, what do I, what do I do? Okay, so you're saying that's worse than introducing an irritant in the form of so. a, a person, yeah, crazy temperature, anything like yeah. that. Yeah, because that at least gives my brain something to concentrate on. Okay, yeah. You know, if yeah. someone shows up and you're like, oh, this person's annoying, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like I can figure out how to make it work. 
or at least they're unpleasant, but at least you're feeling something, something. rather than nothing. Yeah. Yeah. You can interact with them. You can like figure out what makes them annoying. Why are they like this? Like try to right. make them feel a little more uh, like a human and you're able to like actually talk to them about things. And that way, like your your brain is still working in a way versus like I had a couch. I'm sitting on it. Right. I'm staring at a wall. I know there is stuff out there. I know there are books out there in the world. I know that movies mm. exist, but I can't I can't access them because I'm stuck inside. So wait, does if we add to that, not that your your void sure. is perfectly sure, sure, sure. acceptable as it is, Good. but if we add someone coming in every once in a while and telling you about media news or something, does that make it worse? That's interesting. It's like, hey, there there's a new, I don't know, what whatever favorite thing would be happening. Now, do they describe it or they just say, hey, guess what? There's a new season of of Lost or whatever. Like, and <laughs> well, that's it. Which, and is, then they just, which is better slash worse, you tell me. I think if they describe it, it's better. Yeah. I, I Well, better. Yeah. Better as in more interesting. Yes. Yes. But it's better torture if they just tell you. For sure. But then yeah. it is giving your brain something to do. Because then I'm like, what happened? Yeah. Yeah. It is. You've you've created a pretty airtight uh, situation here. You've done so many of these episodes, and I'm so happy that I was able to be like, you're you're now like, yeah, you're right. You're right. That's a good one. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. If there's anything I'm looking for, it's definitive answers to Uh unanswerable questions and Uh so we can permanently retire this great segment thank you so much you can call (laughs) it the the patrick hotter memorial hell question (laughs) that's what the uh that's what a good producer does is uh deactivate parts of the show (laughs) so that it no longer becomes active (laughs) what do you hope happens when you die i sort of hope i sort of hope nothing happens Really? Yeah, I sort of, I think, listen, I I try to keep busy and I try to, to keep my mind active doing things, but I'm still bored a lot. And I think if I just had an eternity of something after this, I'd probably be bored more, you know? Okay. And I think if nothing, let, let's just get it. It's a one and done. We're doing what we're having fun with, like. We're enjoying our time here now. Do we need more of it? Also, then, you know, I used to go to church. I don't go to church anymore. Okay. As a kid or in As a kid. I went through. I, like, got confirmed in everything. It wasn't 100% by choice that I – Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, It wasn't 100% by choice that I got that far. But, like, you know, I did. (laughs) Yeah, Um, yeah. But uh, does that prove me wrong? If there's an afterlife, like, then I'm like, ah, shoot, maybe I should have kept going, you know? Wait, 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 explain that to me again. Okay. That you you lost me in terms of how would that prove you wrong? Well, there's an afterlife. That means there's something else. There's some other plane of existence. Doesn't that prove what- some some sort of a higher being if there's a if there's a life after this one? Well, that's a good question. Yeah, I guess it, you could kind of go either way on that part. It, now, I want you to explain how it does not. Well, I, I'm not saying it definitely does not. I'm saying uh-huh. that it's possible an afterlife could... I can imagine a way in which an afterlife would not directly relate to um, a, a higher power of sure. some sort. Okay. I just can't imagine, I can't imagine dying, waking up, and then they're like, hey, guess what? We got this new thing. Here's this new thing. You're here forever. There's no, there's no God though. There's no God, but you're here forever. For sure. For sure. But are you saying that, that you're, that right now, (laughs) I'm confused how that relates to Catholicism versus your desire for nothing are you saying you are you are undermining your catholicism by wanting nothing or that being at having an afterlife undermines your desire for nothing or both? i think i think both 
Uh, I mean, okay. my, my Catholicism feels so far in the past at this point. Sure. You know, it's been 12, 13 years since I regularly yeah. went to church. As long uh, as you're in New York, huh? Hey, what a, what a weird, uh, what a godless weird heathens, a bunch of heathens <laughs> hanging out. Uh, yep. And, um, so that feels so far in the past at this point, but I feel like, you know, the church's whole thing is like, you die, you go to, you go to heaven. If you're a good person, there is this afterlife. There is this thing that you're moving on to as long as you're living your life the right way. Whereas I was like, I don't believe in any of that. I think it's just like, I don't know, we're sacks of meat. And we wake up and we're alive and then we, we die and that's it. And you move on to to being worm food in the ground. Sure. Uh, but this is so, – so this is now getting into what you be, maybe believe to be true territory mm-hmm. as opposed to pure – What I want. Territory. Oh, interesting. I still think I'm sticking with I don't want anything though. Okay. Because I, I also think thought around, of another – Yeah. No, go ahead. I, I was going to say, I think, being a, okay. I think being around forever in an afterlife seems stressful for me. I want to have a finite amount of time where I'm like, I know I've got, I don't know, 60 years, 70 years, let's say, to be safe. I've got mm-hmm. that amount of time to do what I want to do, to live how I want to live, and and that's it. Versus being around forever with the, it just seems like it's too much to handle. My brain can't process it. I would get bored. I would not enjoy it. And then I would still just be stuck there. And I can't die again. You're not going to die there. Maybe. But then what's after that? For you to find out after that. I just feel like you've got so many concrete... Uh, decisions you're you you you're like so many cause and effect relationships yeah that may or may not be these things could be way more up in the air than you're giving them credit for i man and by the way this yeah this is i feel like we've we've developed a a playfully adversarial relationship (laughs) where i'm pushing you on all these answers but that is not actually what i intend but I, I think that's what I could sense. I think that's yes. what I could sense. I think I want but, to. Because I haven't thought about it a ton. Sure. And I agree Especially, that the yeah. problem of an of an infinite the problem of infinity is boredom. Yes. My issue is I'll choose the problem of boredom over the problem of no consciousness extinguished. That's the thing that that for the problem of nothing is nothing. Which for some people is a relief. For me personally, I don't find it to be a relief. Sure. Now again, this is this is want territory, not belief territory. Yeah. But I, I just yeah. subscribe to the the thought of do you remember before you were born? Sure. You don't. Well, that ties very neatly to the thing I was going to say. about the relationship between an afterlife and a God. So you talk about people waking you up and saying, hey, now there's this thing, but by the way, there's no God. Sure. But from what you're saying, it sounds like that's basically what you believe this life is. Someone wakes you up and says, hey, by the way, there's no God. So what makes you think that it's unreal? In fact, it would seem – and now we've got this paradox of, well, if you believe there's no God and you just wake up here – then there must be a godless afterlife. Well, fuck. I fucking got you, dude. I just, you're, you're cooked now. What am I supposed (laughs) to do now? Just sit on a couch and stare at a wall. (laughs) What about funeral planning? Have you thought about specific things you'd like at the end of Yeah, I used of, to tell yeah. uh, – as a joke, I used to tell my mom, and she hated this, um, that I wanted us to pre-record me uh, saying a phrase. And when people knelt down on the kneeler, we'd rig it so my arm waved, and I said, thanks for coming. Uh, <laughs> she didn't like that. Um, I, I, I've already said I don't want to be buried because it's – 
uh, waste of money, I think. I think it's a waste okay. of money. I worked at, uh, I interned at CNBC when I was in college. Okay. And we, uh, I promise this is related. I no, I'm curious. I'm like, okay, related. all right, all right. I worked in the uh, the long form documentary uh, uh, department of CNBC. So they're making like hour long, you know, documentaries on different things. And one of them about was about close and yeah, exactly. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> All those CNBC viewers love uh, uh, Zip Zap Zop. They love right. uh, pattern games. You know, all that. Well, kind they of stuff. know what they're getting with fucking long form documentaries. Uh-huh. You know, uh huh. Um, but we did a documentary that I I worked on the tiniest amount of. You know, and it was called uh, Death. It's a living, and it's all about the business of like funeral homes and funerals and mm. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I think that was when it opened my eyes where I was like, it's how much for a coffin? It's yeah. how much to like buy a plot? That's insane. Don't do that. That's mm-hmm. such a waste of money. Put me in a little bowl, you know, on your counter and like just leave me there or put me in your closet. I don't care. Like it doesn't matter to me. Uh, you know, um, so I I think a funeral would be nice and fun uh, for people. I think I would want it to be happy. Um Instead of everyone crying, although who knows, you know, maybe people would be happy anyways. I don't know. Who am I to say? Uh, but I, I, the one that you always look at, which is a very sad one, but it is also a happy one, is the Jim Henson one that's on YouTube. Uh, have you ever okay. seen this? No, no. Oh, his memorial service is on YouTube. Uh, and it's in is it St. John's. I think it's St. John's Church in, in New York. And... People are like doing readings and people are sad, but people are also laughing and they like all the freaking Muppets come out and they sing a bunch of songs and everyone's crying happy tears and all that. Like, that's great. That's very nice. That's very fun. Uh, I think something like geared towards that end of the spectrum instead of like, let's all cry about how sad we are is the more ideal version of what I would want. Sure. As a producer, is Mm. there a a a guest like a, a dream guest <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. maybe someone that you've never that's yeah. been elusive for the shows sure. you've booked in life but that also fits with the fact that it would be your you know if you've been trying to book well i imagine john ham is relatively accessible to you but Ham's, say it's john ham's Ham. easy yeah we can get uh, right, right, easy. <laughs> right right uh, but uh yeah, yeah someone but if John Hamm doesn't feel funereal to you, sure, sure, then sure, that sure. wouldn't apply. Yeah. Now, okay. So listen, I'm looking at this from a logical standpoint. <laughs> yeah. We're talking about, am I dying today? Oh, well. Because I don't want to pick a, I don't want to, I don't want to pick a 70 year old, you know, if I'm dying sure. 40 years from now. I mean, it's your choice. You can answer whichever time period you okay. can answer both. You know, okay. we've got, we've uh, got nothing but time let's see. right now. I want, I want Elliot Gould to speak at my funeral. Okay. Nin- 1970s A-list blockbuster movie star, Elliot Gould. Uh-huh. I don't know why. He's just always been someone that I've tried to get for stuff and have never been able to get. I've okay. got, I've got a very short list of people that are left that I have not been able to book that I want to book. And they're mostly people... Uh, actors from the 70s it's mostly like uh uh carol kane frank oz elliot Mm -hmm. gould uh and michael emerson from lost those were my big new york which one's michael emerson he was ben he was the bad guy on lost okay okay uh uh the leader of the others spoiler alert for people who have not watched lost sure sure um those were my Oz feels doable like there's a you'd think so Really? He was all, he was my number one. I was trying for years to get him for stuff. Huh. Because yeah. I know Berbiglia knows him, right? Yeah. Yeah. But that doesn't hmm. doesn't help. I don't think he um I don't think he loves uh going out and like performing in front of live audience stuff. Sure, sure, sure. And I think that was always a, a hurdle that was difficult to get over. Uh I got very close a couple times, but it just never it never really worked out. And then, of course, the other big show that I do is a Star Wars related show. And, like, he's not going to want to do that. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's. Sure, sure. It, it was always a, it was always a struggle. There's still time. Maybe someday, you know? Uh, 
But look, so what do you imagine Elliot Gould? That's a good one. What do you imagine Elliot Gould saying at your funeral? I uh, I think he would say, "Look, I never met Patrick. I don't know him." (laughs) They asked me to come do this. I had nothing going on this week. I said, sure, mm-hmm. why not? It seems like a cool experience. Uh, and then I just want him to talk about what it was like being such a big movie star in the 70s. Uh, uh, not a conventionally, you know, uh, uh, the the star that everyone imagines, but he is the star of the 70s in my brain. He mm-hmm. he really, like, he, identi- he um, embodies... Um, what it was like to be huge in the seventies where you're like, yeah, you can open a movie. You're not, you're not a Paul Newman. You're not a Robert Redford, but like, yeah, this guy, let's let this guy be in all the movies that rules. I want him to talk about that at my funeral because listen, you don't have to talk about me. I'm okay. If you don't talk about me at my funeral, everyone's there because they're at my funeral and they, they know me. They've heard enough about me. They don't need to hear more. (laughs) Sure. Well, I don't know if the if the goal of eulogizing someone is to inform people as much as to unite in a feeling of, oh, you're not alone. We can all remember our friend. But guess what? I think if Elliot Gould walks in, everyone's like, holy shit, that's Elliot Gould. No, I think there's actually a, and I mean this genuinely, I think yeah. there's a genuine way in which that's a fun, it's funny. Yeah. And it's a like actual nice thing to be like for his funeral patrick just booked us a show he booked us a little lecture by elliot gould yes and that feels appropriate if i could in what way um for you to book a show you mean yeah for just it's like i don't know go have fun go listen to this guy talk i like this guy you'll all probably like him you Mm -hmm. all know who he is Mm -hmm. uh it feels like something that uh i would do look if i had the date for my funeral, if you were like, it's May 23rd, 2028, I'd be like, yeah, I'll find someone for it. Someone will do it. <laughs> what do you want? You want to, I'll put some stand-ups in there, sure. It'll be great. They'll all get 10 minutes. I Someone's <laughs> got to give them the light. I can't give them the light. I'll be in the box. <laughs> this is the first time I because people have talked about having shows for their yeah. funerals. Yeah. And and this is the first time we've we've talked about the logistics so specifically <laughs> that i really i can really envision how it would go mm-hmm. someone's gonna get screwed because it's gonna be one of those things where they're gonna get a text from one of the performers being like hey i'm running 10 minutes late can you put on someone else in front of me and then you're gonna mm-hmm. have to like reschedule everyone and like flip flip performers around like someone's gonna have to deal with that i can't do it because i'm dead obviously but like I mean, we're you gonna have to find that for your funeral, it would people would probably. But there's make it a train issues. There's traffic. Like it's not their fault. You know what I mean? Someone had a show at the cellar at eight thirty. Like they're not <laughs> able to make it. Like it, it's fine. People get sick. It happens. So you're you're imagining your funeral is happening happening during <laughs> regular <laughs> comedy show time. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a Friday. Not night. in an afternoon. <laughs> yeah, no, they got a, they have a paid set at the cellar. Uh, Chris Rock showed up and pushed it all by twenty five minutes, so now they're running late. I know how this business works. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's fair, and and yeah. I, I appreciate your your consideration. It does feel Thank a little you. overly self deprecating, but um. Yeah, but that's sort of my thing, I think, you know, like uh, having um, making it too serious or too like self-important feels uh, lame to me. And I feel like I've been to funerals that are very stuffy and very sad and it's always uh, depressing, but not in the way that you like. This is not the right way to say the sentence, but I'm going to say it. It's depressing, but not in the way that you want a funeral to be. You know what I mean? I feel like when you go to a funeral, you're like, I know how I should feel at this. Sure. Like, I know this at the level of sadness and the type of sadness I'm going to feel. But if you go to some and you're like, this is just kind of boring. Like, I don't want a boring funeral. Yeah. No, I I totally agree. Have you never experienced the... The the meeting of expectation and reality there though you've never experienced a funeral that was like oh this is this is 
sad in the way I expected and no, I definitely, in some way wanted it to be sad. Yeah, I definitely think I have. I feel I've also been lucky and I've not had a ton of funerals that I've gone to. Yeah. I would say it's probably under 10 or mm-hmm. 10, 10 or below somewhere around there. Like that I went to like the funeral, the wake, the, the putting the coffin in the ground, like all of it, probably like 10 ish maybe. And it's been a really long time. I feel like a lot of those were in like high school. So it has not, uh, I've not really been to one in a while. Um, and there were definitely some where I was like, yes, this is what it, you know, this is what it should be. Someone's sister's up there giving the speech, but she's also making jokes. Like that's, everyone is like in agreement. Like we can laugh at this because she's up there trying to bring a little bit right. of levity to this versus like, oh, someone's grandpa's talking and he's going to talk about this for 20 minutes. And like, uh, you know, none of us really know this person's grandpa. So like, you can't really relate to this, this speech mm-hmm. that he's giving um and i'm not speaking about anyone specific uh if people are no listening. no no sure you sure. know um but but that kind of thing i also feel very similar about weddings where it's like a stuffy well, wedding sure. a stuffy wedding is a nightmare i i totally agree i i completely agree about weddings and and i don't i don't want to pretend that a funeral you know, ironically is so sacred that it can't be boring, but it does feel a little bit like, I don't know. I'm sensing this. To what extent is the boredom you talked about earlier, just discomfort with sitting with silence or whatever might come up under the boredom. Oh, I think it's probably a hundred percent that this is okay, great. Okay, we're getting okay. we're getting deeper than a therapist has gotten in like two years. This is perfect. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, it's a hundred percent that I I just like I don't like sitting in that like uh, sadness or serious mode or like you know I wanna right. I wanna always be having fun and if I can force that upon other people at my funeral that is like I'm not letting you be sad at this thing. Sure. So there's not a a level of evolution where it's like, okay, I would like at least in death to be able to transcend this desire to escape. It's yeah. you're like you just want to provide escapism at the funeral yeah. as well. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So this is a, this is an issue that you're fine with existing in your it's, life and not seeking to resolve. Yeah. I think the best way to put it is, it's my party. You can't cry if you want to. I think that's maybe the ideal way to think about it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Do it on your own time. So I'm really throwing you for a loop today. And I like that. I don't, I don't know how much you are. I occasionally (laughs) listen. I don't appreciate that kind of comment, you know, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but but I do occasionally leave pauses when you've nailed it. And that's, uh, that's, you know, normally I have to explain to comics that they don't have to keep going if I've paused. It's, Mm -hmm. it's the opposite of bombing. They've actually (laughs) just killed, but, Mm -hmm. um, I guess I have to explain that to you too, man. So there we go. Um, but no, I, uh, you know, you've, you've already, you've already named the episode a couple times. You've already created bits that could recur in future yeah. episodes. So I'm yeah. just trying to make space, you know, t-shirts and, and t-shirt merch, merch ideas. You know? Right. Oh, right. Come on. And the real thing is with this show, um, the nice thing is that I can always kind of revert to uh, sincerity Mm-hmm. And 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 just curiosity about what's happening, mm-hmm. and and in fact, when I don't go that route, I can sense in myself. I'm like, this feels like trouble. If I'm if I'm bidding out too hard on a thing, sure. I'm just like, sure, you know. But there have been times in us talking where I'm like, okay, do I want to build on this as a bit, or do I want to say? are you really that bored or are you uncomfortable with yourself? You know what I mean? And no, no, I get it. And I think, I think you definitely did hit on something with that uncomfortableness that I just don't like sitting in that 
awkwardness or uncomfortableness or sadness or whatever. Like I, because I don't necessarily know how to handle it all the time. You know sure. what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. uh, don't like, don't like fighting with people. Don't like, uh, you know, uh, uh, going, if, if you're, uh, have a significant other, like going to bed angry, don't like doing that. Don't like, mm-hmm. you know, I want to, I want to nip that all in the bud and get it out of the way. And like, let's deal with this now. Um, and I think that that is probably also a part of this where it's just like, yeah, I just don't want to be, uh, uncomfortable or sad or, or angry or upset or like dealing with those real true human emotions that everyone else deals with. Uh, I'd rather just like avoid it and move on, um, which is absolutely something I'm working on in my personal life. I want to be clear. Sure. Like, sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah totally. I want to, I want to be I very mean, clear. Yeah. I, cause I can very much relate. And I mean, especially in the past um, few years being as careful as you, you yeah. talked about being, um, I've had to admit how much I really resent having a body mm-hmm. and, and not in a way where I'm like coming out and saying, this is my belief. I am, ha- I, this, I, yeah. I stand behind this opinion. This is yeah. a thing I would very much like to address and, and I would love to enjoy being embodied, but if I'm honest, I would. There's a reason that I pipe media into my eyes and ears for most Absolutely. of my waking hours. And it's because of the very reason that you're, yeah, yeah, the, the, the same things that you're talking about. Yeah. I also think there's a lot going on in the world right now. And to, uh, for sure, have to think about any number of them will, uh, make your brain melt for a little bit. So, like, mm-hmm. why not, uh, why not spend your afternoon watching a 1994? Kyle McLaughlin movie called Roswell, the UFO cover up. That's what I did this morning. Cause I didn't <laughs> okay. want to think about how I have COVID right now. And you know what? It right. kind of worked. Movie wasn't good, but it, it got me out of my brain for a little bit. Is it a documentary or it was a, no, it is a, a it is feature. a, it is a feature starring Kyle McLaughlin, Martin Sheen and Dwight Yoakam. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And and just like that, you've distracted me from yeah, asking you questions that's just to be curious about this fucking Kyle McLaughlin movie. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. But but I think, you know, it, it is something where it's like, oh, I'd rather watch that than think about how the world's burning or how, you know, I'm sick or how, uh, you know, the the American political landscape is a disaster and like – how sure. uh, we should all have healthcare that we're not worrying about paying the bills for and you know, all that stuff. Um, I'd rather watch a stupid movie or I'd rather like listen to a podcast or I'd rather read a comic book or whatever it is. Um, and I think uh, it's, it, that is the way I've chosen to distract myself from all of those problems. The podcast takes questions from my last one man show, which was set in the afterlife. And one of the features of that afterlife in the live show is that you get to fully relive one memory. Mm. So like a room you can pop into and out of whenever you want, but you have Mm -hmm. to choose just one. Mm -hmm. If that's the case, what memory do you choose to relive? Hmm. That's a good question. There's a lot of them. Thank I you. feel like the most, the thing that I always tell people when they're like, oh, name, name the top couple days of your life or whatever it was. One of the ones that is just like pure fun, pure uh, enjoyment, pure like, oh, this will be a thing that I and everyone in this room will remember for a long time was I worked on the Chris Gethard show uh, for a long time. And we did an episode with Paul Shear and Jason Manzukas. Uh, where they were the guests and there was a dumpster on the set yes. and they yeah. had to guess uh, what was in that dumpster. Um, I don't know if you've seen this. I don't know. I have. I have. seen. Okay. That okay. So I will say if you have not seen this and you're listening to this, I'm going to spoil it. You probably don't want to know what's in this dumpster. It's way more fun if you watch it. So skip ahead a little bit. 
Yeah, if you're a fan of this show, if you listen enough to this show, the yeah. likelihood you're a Gethard fan is pretty high. Yeah. yeah. Um, th- if you haven't seen that episode and you are a Gethard fan, the likelihood you'll enjoy it is pretty high. Yeah. So go to YouTube and watch the what it's just called. It's called what's it's called in the One Man's Trash. I think it's one the man's trash. Name. Okay, and it's um, from the True TV series. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So skip okay, ahead. So in the next little bit. Yeah, do 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 one or two of the thirty yeah. second yeah, 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 jump yeah. ahead because uh, it's you know yeah it's so, Paul Giamatti it's Paul Giamatti Paul Giamatti's in the dumpster right. and I was the guest booker uh, during that and it was just a pure joy of having to both hide Paul from Sheer and Manzukas and also hide him from the audience and also not let them know that I was running back and forth like Mrs. Doubtfire on two dates to like deal with all of Giamatti's things and all of Sheer Manzuka's things and just going back and forth down the hallway, trying <laughs> yeah. to like not make them, you know, cross over between each other. Uh, and then just the pure joy and uh, electricity in that room from the audience and from the people calling in and stuff like that. That's always been like, Oh, that was a, that was a moment, you know, that is like very fun and very stressful, but in a silly way, you know, uh, and I think that would be like, oh, if I could just go back to that room whenever I wanted. Yeah, I would like to do that because that was that was very fun. But this is over a couple of days. This was over one one afternoon or one okay. night, I guess, is when we filmed it. Yeah. Okay, great. So it would just be it's not the like whole process of booking. No, him no, and no. Getting him just in the, there. Fil- okay. the night of filming. That's it. Uh, okay. Yeah. I don't know. It was just a very. Were you interacting with audience very much, or was most of your time spent with Jason and Paul? And once the Paul? show started, I was around the audience a lot more. But like pre-show, I was just around them for the most part. And uh, what sorts of things are you doing for them? Well, it's like uh, you know, making sure Paul and Jason get there on time, get in their room, stay in their room, don't leave, don't go down any hallways you don't want them to go down because Giamatti's in a different room. And then once they get there, making sure Giamatti gets there, making sure Giamatti's in the offices across the street so no one sees him. And then once the audience is loaded in, moving him to the other side where the studio is across the street with his like baseball hat and like tall jacket on and like, you know, and then getting him to go up the right hallways and to go down the right, you know, through the right door frames to like get him onto the set behind the stage so that you can get him in the dumpster, but then also going back to go check on Paul and Jason to make sure they're fine and not have them know that, Oh, Hey, wait a sec. I'm actually going to like, I have to go help out someone else because I'm the talent guy so even though you guys are over here, fine, that's great. I'll see you in 20 minutes once I'm back from getting Paul into the studio, into the dumpster, checking on him in the back before the dumpster gets wheeled out. Okay, you're fine, great, I'll leave. I'll go back, check with Paul and Jason. But also the majority of the crew doesn't know that Giamatti's here. So dealing mm. with him and like when they ask, well, what are you doing now? It's like, okay, well, I'm going to deal with something for the episode. Okay, well, what? Don't worry about it. I need to go check with Paul and Jason now. And then just basically just running back and forth to make sure no one sees Giamatti who doesn't know that he's there because there's only like five or six people who know that he's in that dumpster. Uh, right. Because you know, the question wasn't what's in the dump, wasn't who's in the dumpster. It was yes, what's, it was in, the what's in the dumpster. Yes. So if you are giving away, so there's a very real way in which you could have given away yeah. to Sheer and Manzukis that. There's some there was a there. person in yes. which case you get really you can get really specific yes. Yes. quickly yeah yeah it was a we told a lot of the crew that it was a chicken uh, or that it was a Picasso we told some people both of which are like not exciting you know what I mean like not an exciting sure sure sure, um, sure but it was definitely that was like a fun a very fun night with a lot of people that I like having a good time. You know, I don't even remember the original question, but I think that would be the moment that I would hop into. Yeah. yeah. What was the question? No, it was something like that, right? Yeah. To choose to relive. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would be it. And especially if you're, you know, sometimes people want to know if they can change things, yeah. that kind of thing. And if you're, if you're going, if you're, ta- and ru- if you're running with this memory, 
Yeah. You could, there are different aspects of that. You could spend the whole time with Jason and Paul. You could spend the whole sure. time with Giamatti. Sure. And by the way, sorry to the folks who we said uh, 60 seconds yeah. could could be all you forwarded. Spoilers. Go watch the show. Yeah. <laughs> Eight years ago, I was in a coma for a month. Uh, DKA. Plus some uh, some addiction stuff. Sure. Nice little cocktail sure. there. Almost didn't wake up afterwards. Um, life didn't immediately change, but a few months afterward, I got sober. And among other things, there was like a you know it serves as a pretty clear dividing line between sure. like oh there's a pre coma me and a post coma me. Yeah, but I don't think all these moments have to be that like drastic. But the question is what's your coma, which is just mm. one moment of transformation where you felt like before you were one version of yourself and after you were another. I mean, there's the obvious answer. It's not really a moment necessarily, but I want to give you a moment. I was going to say the obvious answer is like moving to New York. You know, that becomes a different Patrick than living in Connecticut. Okay. But that's more of like a an event more than a moment. You know what I mean? That's okay though. The, a moment can you can define it however broadly you want. I think there's also I think I, you know, I uh I think COVID changed a lot too. I think the, you know, lockdowns or getting yeah, COVID. I think that lockdown changed a lot. I think that first year uh pre um pre-vaccine my roommate and i like didn't really leave the apartment that much uh when i needed groceries i would go at like one in the morning so no one was there or like i would Mm -hmm. order amazon you know or whatever um and i think that that really changed how the next couple years have been um in a way that i don't you know i don't know if we'll totally ever go back to that uh it's hard Fun, freewheeling, you know, carefree yeah. attitude uh, versus thinking about it every second of every day uh, mm-hmm. as someone who's currently going through their second bout of COVID, you know. Um, it's definitely something that is just like constantly on my mind now. Trying to get back to that regular, you know, let's all have fun. Let's all relax and and we're all going to enjoy our time together. But it's like tough to tough to go back to how you were before that. Um, and I feel like anyone who says otherwise is, uh, a liar or, uh, unvaccinated, you know? Um, yeah. Or is really, I don't or know. Has it, just, or hasn't accepted that yet. Or is just pro- like in the same way that I think of the people I know in my yeah. circles, I think literally everyone would say they were being careful. Mm-hmm. And that one word, how radically differently it mm-hmm. could be defined, what careful was. Absolutely. I think that's part of it too. So so yeah. the the amount of people, whether they think they're over it or not. Sure. Yeah. Re- it relates to how they're even defining over it or it. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Not to be too abstract. But um No, I get it. I get it. I'm not I'm not over it. I don't think you know, I feel like a lot of people still aren't over it, and it's frustrating to see other people, not to make this a whole fucking COVID diatribe, but like, you know, it's frustrating to see how people uh, haven't changed their ways or haven't changed how they live their yeah. life. And mm-hmm. I like to think that I've changed in certain ways uh, since that happened. Um, and I think, you know, I think you you realize that uh, life is short and the world is short and like you only got so much time and who knows how much time that's going to be. Uh, so you might as well, um, you know, adjust your life accordingly. Uh, and I think that that was that moment that really made that hit home. Uh, especially what were the adjustments? I mean, especially living in New York, I was going to say just because like I was in Queens, which was like the fucking epicenter for a while there and just having to listen to you know, helicopters and sirens and all that 24 hours a day was like not great for the old brain, you know? Totally. 
Not I great. mean, especially someone as media saturated as yeah. you are to yeah. just, you know, have, you know, a mass of images of yeah. apocalypse and post-apocalypse as I'm sure, you know, I definitely yeah. do. And I'm sure. And where you're too. like, oh, I know where that is. That's like a mile away. <laughs> or right. that's like, you know, right down the street. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so that was, that was definitely something that like really like sobered you up for a little bit and like forced, forced us to do that George Lucas talk show virtually, I think was because we were like, we're all very sad and we're all like, the three of us are being very careful, even mm-hmm. out of the people that we know, you know, not to use that word again, but like, we're the three that aren't leaving the house and we're the three that are like really hungry right. down and like, um, so we need to do something fun that, so we do not go crazy. And so we do not like lose that sense of like, let's put on a show. Let's have a good time. Even yeah. when shit is weird and like, you know, having to do shows the weekend of like the the black lives matter protests, like trying to raise money for stuff like that was like, let's just do something. So we feel like we're doing something because we don't want to go out and like be in those marches because we don't want to get sick, you know? So let's try Mm -hmm. to figure out the ways to like, uh, make us feel like we're doing something. Um, you asked me a question in the middle there and I barreled through it and I don't remember what it was. No, no, no. I remember it was just the ways. So what, other than your responses to the immediate situation, yeah. what do you feel like the, that lockdown, that first year changed in you Yeah, that has continued to um, had effect or even – so So a thing I've thought a lot about is yeah. just what potential selves – I had before 2020 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that will never exist now. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that sounded like where you were going with um, moving to New York as well, where it's like, mm-hmm. it sounded like you were imagining a version of you that stayed in Connecticut versus mm-hmm. the you that moved to New York. And that was the difference rather than mm-hmm. just, Oh, here's how I was in high school. Here's how I was in college, which sure, is really sure, interesting. Sure. And I'm curious how you apply that to this, where it's like, What's what are the selves that you imagine, yeah, existing versus what and how how does what who you are now differ from that? Yeah, I mean, I think. Let me think because that's a big question. I do think you're right about that. Uh, you know, staying in Connecticut, you're a completely different person versus moving to New York. I don't know what I would be doing if I lived in Connecticut. Now I have no idea because that the. the the things I was interested in was like entertainment and like wanting to work in that industry. And like, that's mm. not, it doesn't really exist in Connecticut that much. Right. Um, so I truly could not tell you what I would be doing if I was working there. And it's really uh, something that if I think about it too hard, I will go crazy because I, I don't know. I'd maybe be working at like our town had like the Lego headquarters. Mm. So like maybe I'd be working at Lego but that's kind of all I can like really think about, you know? Um, But, but uh, you know, when lockdown started, that was also, I started going to therapy pretty soon before that. And I think that that helped me kind of express what I was feeling in those moments, even if I was like trying to still like temper it down. So I didn't, uh, I wasn't just depressed all the time. I think I was able to like talk to people about it and talk to friends about it, but also like tell people, uh, you know, that they mean a lot to me and that I'm happy that they're my friends and stuff like that, which is not something I would have the, the ability might be the wrong word, have the urge to like say out loud to people pre going to therapy, pre being able to like try to open up to talk to people some more. And I think that having COVID hit at that same time, it was just a very emotional time for everybody and, and being able to use words to express those kind of things uh, coming at the same time was very helpful to me. And I think that that hopefully is carried over post lockdown. Uh, I, I don't want to say post COVID cause obviously it's not, but uh, I think being able to be more open with people and more, uh, you know, um, inviting and, 
hopefully being someone that can talk about these issues with friends, you know, like talking about, you know, if they lost someone or if they're just sad or if they're whatever, like ideally I'm able to like chat about that in a way that I was not able to before COVID. Uh, and I think that that is like the big difference now. Um, that, oh, you know, we also went through that big, like collective trauma together and just like being able to talk about that and being able to like share in that weird experience, um, I think changed all of us and changed, you know, hopefully some of us for in a better way that we can like bond over these things. And, and, uh, I don't know. Well, it sounds like you're almost more able to sit with your friend's discomfort than you are with your own. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's probably true. I think that makes sense to me. Yeah. I wish I wasn't. I wish I was able to sit with my own more. For sure. And I, I, the (laughs) my point here is not to, to guilt you for your relationship to your own life. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, that makes sense. So it, it, it sounds like it softened you. It made you more expressive. I think so. I hope so. Yeah. I think you'd have to ask other people about that more. You know what I mean? Like I can think that in my own brain, whether that's the uh, reality of how I act is different, but I like to think that's, that has changed in me. And I think it has. That's the show. Thank you for listening. Thank you to Patrick for being on the show. And rate review join the patreon patreon.com slash dave mar click on every single link in the show notes and then go about your day and until next week remember you are a mist happy new year thing that seems impossible you can do miracles miracles you can do them have faith you are human only human and human beings they do